This episode of Strange Assembly is brought to you by www.l5rsearch.com. L5rsearch.com is a comprehensive online L5R card database with tools to assist in optimizing your decks, proxying cards, or simply finding out about unusual cards. Once you know what you need, www.l5rshop.com puts cards in your hands quickly and economically. This is Strange Assembly, episode 84, Herald. Never Stop Gaming. Strange Assembly is a podcast and website about board games, card games, and role-playing games. Legend of the Five Rings, and beyond. Welcome back to Strange Assembly. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is Brian Reese. Hello, everyone. And as I'm sure almost all of our listeners know at this point, Brian is the lead designer for the Legend of the Five Rings CCG, and this little chat will hopefully be the first of some intermittent guest spots by Brian on Strange Assembly. So, see, now that I've told the audience that, Brian, you're stuck doing it. Ha ha ha. (laughs) Blast. Let's talk about probably the most newsy thing that's happened lately. We just had, well, I guess not we, but you guys just had Gamma, the, the Gamma show last weekend. And at that, a new product was announced, which is Coils of Madness. And I think that was a direct to retailer set. And it was mentioned in the announcement that it would be dual bugged with the upcoming Ivory Edition. So, what is there that you'd like to tell us about that? Oh, so much. Uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff's going to be happening with Ivory Edition. Uh, stuff that we're going to be rolling out over the course of the next months. As of right now... Um, not a whole lot can be said. It's going to be the next uh, base set, so it'll be what follows Emperor Edition. We're taking a lot of lessons we've learned, well, going back to the history of the game, but from Lotus Samurai Edition onwards and making Ivory Edition quite a different experience for L5R than what you had. Than what you had. No, that's not the right way to put it. Not quite a different experience. You still get all the the stuff that you love, uh, right, it's not like Dragon is suddenly going to turn into, you know, the clan of not rings or anything like that. But we are making it a lot more uh, accessible for new players uh, in a way that we just simply have never done before. And we're taking a, a scalpel to the game and figuring out what's going right and what's going wrong in a way that we've never done before. Uh, I'll be doing a series of design diaries over the course of a uh, few months. I'm not actually even sure how long they'll go because there's a bunch of them that we'll get into more detail on the specifics of what's changing. Well, that's I appreciate that was actually more than I was expecting. I was mostly getting to expecting to get something about Coils of Madness. But first, I have a a trivial question about the name Ivory Edition. Now, maybe this is just me, but it seems like the base set names are always an arc too late. Like, the story of Samurai Edition is really about stuff that's going on in the Celestial Heavens with replacing the sun and the moon. And then 
The next arc is Celestial Edition, and that's the arc that features the new Emperor. But then the arc after that is Emperor Edition, and then we have an arc that's in the Colonies, and the arc after that is Ivory Edition. So am I missing something about how you come up with these names? Well, I mean, Ivory Edition is one of the first ones that I've actually personally been involved with. Even though I've been the designer, uh, it's never really been my area where I deal with. But um, the Emperor Editions, the story that started after the time jump, the Emperor Edition story, is a two-arc story. So it's going Emperor Edition and Ivory Edition. And so this is the continuation uh, and there's going to be a lot of dealings in, in the colonies as well as in the empire and just how they're going to mend and deal with these struggles that have been, that have been coming up during emperor edition. So, you know, I, as far as the, as far as this stuff being, uh, late, I can't speak to the past, but Ivory edition, I don't think is, uh, is late. Okay, now, Coils of Madness, that's, uh, it was the information that filtered out of Gamma was something like a direct-to-retailer set that could be bought as a complete set, and there were booster packs with all kinds of fanciness in them that you could get in addition to, or instead, What uh, what's the deal with that? Alright, so, um, this would be the time we would normally do the direct-to-player sets, but for quite a while now, yeah, you know, we talked to our retailers and um, talked to our players, and they haven't been particularly happy with the direct-to-player sets. Unfortunately, just biz- reality is a business. Emperor Edition was what it was, uh, with Shadows Embrace and Forgotten Legacy both being direct-to-player sets, but we've been wanting to get away from them for quite a long time now. And we felt that this was finally the time when we would be able to get the retailers involved in it. So that's why it's a direct-to-retailer set. Uh, where it's going to be on retailer shelves. You can pick it up there. And if you can't buy the whole bundle, the whole shebang, you can, there will also be booster packs for it. And, um, in these booster packs, you'll be able to get all of the dual bugged cards from, uh, Coils and Madness, because Coils and Madness will feature some cards that are single bugged only. But the booster packs, you're not going to be opening up stuff and, and, you know, and it, it'll be dead or whatever. It's all going to be dual bug stuff in the boosters. And there's actually even a one personality per clan that is specifically only found in the in the booster packs. Now, there's not going to be terribly hard to get, so this isn't going to be like a, hey, by the way, guys, uh, <laughs> yeah. On top of buying this, the the whole tin, you also have to collect these rares. They're going to be pretty easy to get, but uh, but they will actually only be available in the in the booster packs, uh, we're just we're trying to get the retailers more involved. And another issue that a lot of people, I don't think, sort of recognize, like I think everyone understands when it's explained to them, but they never really put their finger on before, is one of the big problems with direct-to-player set was the secondary market, or specifically the secondary trading market. So take Forgotten Legacy as an example, and new player walks in and says, "Yeah, I'm interested in playing." They sit down and play, and you play a game of dice or creating order or any of these other cards from Forgotten Legacy on them. I say, oh wow, that's okay. That's a that's a good card. You know, I would want that card. How do I get a hold of that card? I'm like, oh well, it's in this direct to player set. Uh, you can only buy it from the AG store. You can't go up there to the to the counter and pick it up. And I'm like, okay, well that's strike one. Right, that's obviously a problem. I say, okay, well I don't have a hundred bucks to spend on this. So, you know, does anyone have one for trade? 
And here's the second sort of insidious part of the direct-to-player set, is nobody would ever have these things for trade. There is no trading market for the most part. Because when you buy your direct-to-player set, you get the one game of dice that you need. You have your one game of dice, you're not going to trade that to anyone. And so what doing the booster packs in combination with the the set as well is, you know, uh, if this were Forgotten Legacy, the game of dices will be in the booster pack. So when people buy their sets, when they buy their their uh, the booster packs, they will get extras that they can put into multiple decks or they can trade away or whatever. And so that will greatly eliminate one of the problems that direct-to-player sets have always sort of had just in the background, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right, so, I mean, if you take game of dice and you put in just a regular expansion and it's, you know, it's a... You know, it's still power cards, still powerful as it is, but you buy a box of boosters, a couple box of boosters, and you pick up a few and you have some for trade. And it's not as big of a, a hurdle for a new player as it is coming from a direct-to-player set. Yeah, yeah, because those are, yeah, cre- creating order in Game of Dice, those are, despite being uniques, which would normally make them cheaper, they're, I mean, I think if you go and buy those two together, you just spent almost as much as a, a Forgotten Legacy set would cost you. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and they're yeah. they're still at this point twenty something dollar cards, I believe. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I think one of the the bits about the booster packs for Coils of Madness was that they were going to be foils in it. Are foils just appearing in Coils of Madness again, or are they making a a longer term return to the game? They are making a return to the game. Coals of Madness will start with the foiling, but you, foils are going to return, just like they were in the old days, to the game. So once every so oft, every so many booster packs, you'll get a foil instead of a rare. In the case of the Coils of Madness booster packs, they're set up a little bit different. They're seven-card booster packs. And it's, but it, it will be again. Once every few packs, you'll get a, you'll get a foil in your pack instead of a instead of what would have been there otherwise. And there's also going to be full bleeds in there too, which I think probably came out of the game announcement. If not, here you go. So in Coils of Madness, you have non-unique and you have unique cards. The booster packs are set up, and that's the that's the distribution. The, you're going to have seven-card booster packs in there. You'll get five non-uniques and two uniques. So it's not going to be terribly difficult to collect all the cards, because you imagine... If you buy 30 booster packs and you're getting five non-uniques per thing, there's 150. Well, the set's not that big. So it won't be terribly difficult to, to collect all these, uh, all these difference. But anyways, um, I guess, uh, the booster packs, every booster pack will have the five non-uniques. One of those non-uniques will be full bleed. And then it'll have two unique cards. And then every few booster packs, one of those unique cards will be a foil unique card. Does that make sense? Yes. So that's what we're doing. But then Coils of, uh, you know, Coils of Madness is its own special set. It's the director retailer. Starting with the expansion after Coils of Madness, we'll be back to the normal model. And foils will be returning in there just like they were in the old days where once every so often your rare is replaced by a foil rare. Yes, I predict we will see those at mm, Gen Con. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I think that's, uh, that's <laughs> when the expansion is releasing. <laughs> well, it usually seems like regardless of when the expansion releases, it's at Gen Con, right? The expansion boxes may not be out until October 1st, but by golly, there are going to be boxes at Gen Con of it. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, that's been problems of of missed schedules in the past. They, those those sets that come out at Gen Con are actually usually scheduled to be August releases, and uh, I think we're I think we're on schedule to hit the August release. So, okay, now it's kind of come and gone because you squished it so quickly after it it came, but. One of the other news items sort of in Alphavar lately was the infinite honor combo with Paneki's mask and then possibly other similar, com- not as instant win, but other combos you could do with Paneki's mask. Did you have any comments on how that situation developed and how you guys decided to handle it? Yeah, I mean, it was just sort of an unfortunate the way that the rules worked with Paneki's mask. And it was just sort of this weird situation where you got the guy back, but then they immediately died again. Well, you got their two to zero, I think, was part of it. Um, yeah. And then immediately died again, but you got the mass back, so then you did it again. And so you were just infinitely re- bringing one guy back from the dead. And you can combine that a couple different ways. Um, the combo was discovered internally and brought to our attention the week before these events happened. We didn't realize it was going to be quite as, you know, you got to make snap decisions and you don't realize uh, that it's going to be quite as, uh, as quick and easy to get up because, right, it's, you know, unique cards that you're dealing with here. But it was clearly more powerful than we gave it credit for on paper. So once it came to be, it was what it was. We banned it. We got rid of the combo. You know, these types of things sort of, they spring up every once in a while. This one happened to get more tension than, than other ones do, but where, you know, some rules loophole or something gets through, and then uh, it just requires a a ban or an errata or whatever to fix. In this case, it was just actually fixing that the Paneki's mask just infinitely bounces back to your hand. Yeah, I actually liked the, the rules change fix because I, it was always, to me at least, it was always kind of a weirdness in the rules that strategy cards used the whole resolution area but other abilities from hand like rings didn't i think it was hearkening back to it, you know some of these rules that we have still exist as one of the things we're doing with every edition we're looking at all of these and making sure that they still need to exist but they exist right because there was some combo back in lotus or diamond or gold or whatever and the rules and designer guys at the time said, well, we don't want it to work this way, so we'll have, you know, we'll have it work that, that way. And it's just one of those rules that sort of just sits in the back on a dusty shelf that nobody pays attention to arc after arc until the Panecki's mass thing comes along. The primary situation where it come up, had come up was the whole you can't iron will ring of fire thing. Right, yeah. Uh, you, <laughs> well, well, you can, you just really don't want to. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. You can, it's just completely useless, and they can, yeah, play the Ring of Fire again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, it, yeah, it didn't come up there, and it was like, well, alright, it is what it is. And, I mean, one thing I liked about this change, we didn't actually have to change any of the cards. 90, 95% of our player base never even realized that this combo existed, and in their day-to-day L5R lives haven't changed a single bit because of this. Uh, it's unfortunate that it did hit the people that it did hit, and you know, and that is what it is. But uh, it's it's just one of those things where it's not like you know the casual player that you see down at your local game store, but doesn't really go to tournaments, or you know, or if he goes to tournament, he knows he's not competing. It's, you know, it's not like 
his deck has been altered or changed or anything because it was just some loophole in the rules and we closed the loophole. Now that the Paneki's Mask mess has been cleaned up, what are your current thoughts on how the Torn Asunder environment is developing? I mean, are you, from a from a designer perspective, are you satisfied with where it's sitting right now? Well, I mean, that's sort of a... I think that sort of might be the incorrect way to put it, uh, in that I will never be satisfied. doesn't matter how good it is. Like, Ivory Edition, I'm sure as soon as it comes out, like, I'm really, really excited about it. I'm sure as soon as it comes out, you ask me, are you satisfied with Ivory Edition? My answer is going to be no. Uh, <laughs> you know, all I, you know, all I ever see is the problems. It's still pretty new. It's, it's hard to hear, obviously, or hard to, uh, get a good read on it. Uh, obviously, Phoenix is off to a strong start. But, you know, we're entering the second year of the Kotei season, which has always had a drop in players. So the drop in players, attendance at the Kotei is, it's nothing that isn't historically true for, uh, for L5R. Though in, in your home area in Atlanta there, you guys had a record Kotei this year, so. Yes. Uh, that was, uh, that was pretty impressive. <laughs> um, I wish I could tell you that there was some magical thing we had done to, Get everyone to show up, but I don't know what it was. Well, whatever it was, it, it's working. But yeah, this isn't the the drop in attendance isn't any isn't any different than what we've had in years past. And I mean, as far as the torn asunder environment, like I'm actually enjoying it. I'm I play, uh, I've been playing in it and see a lot of interesting different decks. Uh, so, for example, I went to the Pasadena Kotai, and I think there was four Phoenix players. In the top 16 or whatever, and it was three different strongholds. Or maybe there was four different strongholds. Yeah, you know what? I think it was four. I think it was everything. I don't know. Anyways, but you're, you're seeing, you know, lots of, so even when you see, like it, we sort of have a, a classical looking, and I know that you've, you've been trying to deal with this too with the statistical day that you've always done but we have this classical look and it's like well how many you know clans are in there and you know the beginning of Emperor edition crab was one of the ones that was doing well and crab had a lot of kotai wins but then when you actually broke it down they had scout kotai wins they had berserker kotai wins they had yasuki kotai wins uh so it wasn't that any particular deck had you know was running away with it where you know in the historical context of l5r one clan one deck is basically all you had so when you saw that Crane was running away. You knew, oh, okay, well, Crane is the robot honor dueling or whatever, and that's all they have. So, you know, so when Crane picks up 20% or 25% of the Kotai wins for a season or whatever, it's like, okay, well, this deck is you know, running away with it. Or these days, if you see it's Crane, you know, it might be 10% are coming from this deck and 10% coming from this deck and 5% coming from that deck, which, you know, is above the curve, but it's not, uh, it's not this massive outlier that 25% of a of a Kotai Seasons win coming from a single deck would be. See, yeah, I, I have to, not that, <laughs> not, not that anyone asked, but I, I have to say that whenever I sit down and think about, well, what, what would you, what would one change about this, the, the sort of like the, the way themes are designed or, or something other than themes and to, to try to change that up. And it always seems to just, completely run aground on the rock of the notion that you are expected to not only produce a a reasonable chance for every single clan to do well at a tournament 
but to give the players of that clan multiple different ways to do that. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we, with Emperor Edition, we launched with 36 themes. And I know frequently people come back saying, you know, uh, my my clan, you know, this theme isn't working well, or this theme's not working well, and design doesn't know what they're doing, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, the reality is, if we throw 36 themes at the wall, and half of those come out as tournament competitive, you know, that's a failing grade, right? That's 50%. But, I mean, that would be amazing if, if at any given time you have 18 different decks that were competitive, as long as you're getting one from every clan. I mean, that's our real big goal is to make sure that every clan has a deck that, that they can at least feel, you know, comfortable going and competing at a, at a, at a tournament with. Uh, so, you know, even if you've only got one deck for your clan and the other three themes are struggling or whatever, at least you can play something from your clan and be competitive and, and try to win a co-tie with it. So, I mean, I'm pretty happy with, uh, where Emperor Edition has landed overall. I mean, people, I think, sort of tend to forget, uh, especially winter court season, where, you know, we, it it tends to die off a little and people start getting this fear, like, oh, L5R is dropping and slipping, forgetting that it happened the year before and the year before and the year before, that people just sort of take a little break during the winter court season. But I think what people sort of forget is Emperor Edition has been one of our most successful arcs in the history of the game, uh, both sales-wise, player-base-wise everything i mean we've had numbers that we haven't seen since you know since we were near l5r's peak around gold diamond edi- early diamond edition somewhere in there so well t- to be fair you, you talk about you know sales numbers we haven't seen it's not like anyone outside of a that i'm aware of anyone outside of aeg actually gets to see what the sales figures are so right right yeah so i mean not yeah i mean not but I mean, that's why I was specifically trying to mention, you know, like the player base wise, because, you know, the Kotai season. I mean, the Kotai season has always historically taken a drop off the second year of the Kotai season. Um, but the second, you know, Celestial Edition, the first year was an increase over the second of Samurai, just like you would expect. But the second year of Celestial was actually an increase over the first year of Celestial. And Emperor Edition's first year was actually an increase over the second year of Celestial Edition. Uh, so it was sort of this weird thing where it's normally up, down, up, down, up, down. But instead, we got up, up, up. So then when, you know, or right now where it's a little bit down, well, that's still up overall if you look over, right, if you look over over the history of the game. L5R is still in a really good spot right now. But, I, yeah, I don't want to get too far derailed here. No, no, that's uh, it's not really derail. I think we actually talked about that up 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 thing at the uh, gen con so <laughs> it's not like i haven't brought it's not like that has not been brought up before let's see now there are there are two i'll use the word product loosely here that are that are hanging out there that i wanted to talk to you about or at least ask you about now the first one was that again at gen con last year you mentioned that the revamped art of war had been green lighted and which would have been like a an l5r board game do you have any sort of update on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it has been designed, tested, redesigned. Uh, the design process is more or less over at this point. Now we're at a place in trying to figure out how to get this thing made. For anyone who's not familiar with it, it's a it's a big box board game, and it's got all you know, it's got the clans in there, and you know, you have tons of little minis for each clan, lots of little plastic figures. That all weighs something. <laughs> and, 
and this product, this thing, and it all costs something. And this, so what we've wound up with is this, there's this great game that costs a lot to make and weighs a ton. So at this point, we're at the, we're like, okay, well, clearly we can't, you know, we can't be, we can't release the game as it, as it currently sits because it would just, no one would buy it, right? And I don't know what the final retail would come out to be, but it would be well, well, well over three digits being well over a hundred dollars. So we got to just try to figure out, it's like, okay, so what can we do to get this down to a reasonable price point? But it it is designed. It is done. It's, it's a lot of fun. I love it. I played it a whole bunch of times being one of the designers, my local guys being one of the main play test teams for it. And I'm really excited about it. I don't have any updates yet as far as how the production stuff's going, but uh, it's just at this point, a matter of trying to figure out how to, how to get it priced correctly to where uh, it's not just a game for us, <laughs> right? Where it's not, I mean, I think we were looking at the shipping cost and it was going to be like 30 something dollars a box to ship it per box. It's like, well, yeah, that does sort of, that does sort of make it difficult to, to sell one. It's like, okay, retailer, uh, 50% of what you're going to be spending on this product is just the shipping to get it. You just have to replace everything with little teeny pieces of cardboard. <laughs> right. I mean, that, that that obviously is one of the options, but that's not nearly as cool doing little cardboard chits as uh, as having cool figure plastic. So, right. At this point, we're just, yeah. Yeah, just trying to figure out. Uh, it's the give and take. Just make it a, a giant advanced squad leader modification, basically. Now. Uh, uh, now the other thing was the I wanted to ask about was the Imperial Herald. I, I haven't gone back and looked, but it feels like it's been a year or something since there was the last an issue of the Herald came out. And not that I mind uh, having my Herald membership last forever. Last indefinitely, right? Um, yep. I mean, the Herald is another deal. I mean, we uh, we tried to staff up L five R and get it fully staffed and some of it's worked, some of it hasn't worked and some of it. And so that's why some of the Herald, or that's why you haven't seen anything in the Herald for a while is, is it fell onto the parts that didn't really work. So we, yeah, the Herald is not dead. We're fully aware of, uh, everybody saying, Hey, where'd my Herald go? It's been a year or whatever it's been. And we are in the process of, coming up with what we're going to do, the future plans for it, who's going to be, you know, who's going to be doing it. And we're, we've been talking about this, well, we've been talking about it for a long time now, but um, we're getting pretty close to being able to make announcements. So I know people have been wondering, you know, why is AG being silent on this, which is just making it worse in their eyes. But it's been an issue of trying to come up with making sure we get the proper message and the proper announcement out there. So we don't just come out there and say, yeah, we know that, uh, we know it's been a problem. We'll try to get to it later. <laughs> right. When we, <laughs> when we come out and say, uh, we want to come out and say, okay, we know this is what it is, guys. Here's how we're going to make it up to you. Here's what we're going to do going forward. You can expect you know, this stuff, these dates, but here's the plan. And that actually will, we're pretty close to, uh, to starting to come out with that stuff. So. Yeah, I guess I didn't even really feel like, for most people, it was a sense of, who were even saying anything, that it was a sense of complaining so much as a, 
curiosity. I know it, it's probably been a while. People have been saying, well, maybe they'll just switch to a, you know, an electronic delivery, make it a PDF or something. No, what's the point of going to the expense of mailing mailing this stuff out when you just email it to everybody? Or so, just more of a curiosity of what was going to happen than a complaint that they haven't got it again. I mean, I'm sure there'd be a complaint if AEG went well. We're just canceling the Herald permanently and you don't get your money back. Ha ha ha. But I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. So no, no, no. I mean, it's not. We've, uh, uh, we've been working at going to, and I guess this will probably be the first time this has been announced, but we've been working at going to an online digital format for quite some time. And that is what we were prepping to launch with Emperor Edition. And that is what has completely fallen apart and so it's getting the proper plan uh, behind it but yeah that's that is what we're going to want to wind up doing is uh getting getting this ready and then come out and say okay this is what's happening because that that is the plan and that is what we're we're hoping we're going to be announcing here uh in a few weeks Actually, i don't even know if a few weeks is right anymore sorry my my time is all uh, the days run together <laughs> that is the announcement that we want to, that we're going to be making is go on this. And yeah, part of that is going to be that we have, we have made the decision that we want to go to an online herald for all the reasons that we'll get into when we get into it. Okay. Uh, and I think the last thing I wanted to, to touch on today is, uh, is, is first to remind you that despite what some people might say, there's actually not a large public outcry to design more cards that have giant dollar signs on them <laughs> and also to say that what you you wait until trevor leaves strange assembly and then you invite him to be on the pdt <laughs> we're hurt brian we're hurt <laughs> well you know conflict of interest uh, <laughs> no i mean part of i mean with ivory edition we you know it's, it's just good to, to cycle up the designers every once in a while and just get you know new fresh ideas coming in uh, so we put out a, um, we put out an announcement to our playtesters not that long ago and the information disseminated from there saying, Hey, we're, you know, we're opening up to player design team members. Uh, and Trevor, not that he's a playtester, but you know, he's friends with playtesters. He heard about it and, uh, he did, he was one of the people who came back to apply. And after what I like to think is a pretty rigorous, design application process certainly a lot more than than i went through and some other people have gone through but uh you know he came out as as one of the guys we wanted to take so did you run your own version of the great designer search <laughs> yes exactly my own version of the great designer search okay uh, well, uh thanks for coming on and talking with us brian absolutely okay this has been a Strange Assembly interview with Brian Reese, the lead designer for the Legend of the Five Rings CCG. You can check out more Strange Assembly by visiting us at strangeassembly.com or searching for Strange Assembly on Facebook or Twitter. We always like to hear from you, so if you had any comments about this or other episodes, you can send them to me at chris at strangeassembly.com. And never stop gaming. <laughs>